Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. again. It continues to be the 25th of April 2022. For those of you who joined us in the first hour, welcome back. For those of you uh, just joining us in hour two, welcome, welcome, welcome. I think hour one is worth your going and listening to. Uh, it is posted at myfaithradio.com or you can always get it on the Faith Radio app um, any hour of the day or night. Great way to share it with others as well. Thanks again for those of you, nearly a thousand of you who participated in our spring fundraiser you have completely overwhelmed us um, with your generosity. Uh, we are grateful. We are anticipating the good work that God has prepared in advance for us to do. We will be very faithful stewards of the finances you have entrusted to us. We'll celebrate with you the milestones along the way as God uh, continues to increase the impact and influence of this ministry here in the United States and around the world. So um, welcome to those of you listening in 43 countries now. Uh, around the globe. It's just, it's astonishing and astounding, and I love it. So let me know where you're listening and how you're listening. If you're listening um, on, a, on a live broadcast radio signal, I always love to hear that. If you're listening on the Faith Radio app or streaming at myfaithradio.com, let me know where you're listening. If it's convenient to do so, text me. Uh, text me that. The number is 877-933-2484. Where are you listening and how are you listening this morning or today or whenever you're listening? I love to know. Um, all right. So I want to lead off here with a question about grace periods. What is a grace period? If a company offers you a grace period for something, um, what what is their expectation? I mean, eventually they're going to expect you to pay. A grace period is just that. It's a period of grace. You have an expectation that it's for a limited period of time. Well, apparently there's been some confusion about that um, across the country a lot of people simply stopped paying their bills in relationship to companies who were offering grace periods um, for, you know, during the coronavirus, during, you know, the economic crisis brought on by the pandemic. Uh, and now suddenly they're surprised that like their utility company, who apparently a lot of people haven't paid in months or even years, um, they're surprised that those utility companies want to be paid. The grace period is over. And it's not as if, you were never going to have to pay those bills. The grace period just pushed the payment date, extended the period of time. They still now expect to receive payment in full. So um, I'm just letting you know, this is a wave of crisis that's potentially going to hit a community where you live or near you. And your church may be asked, you know, by people to help them pay their utility bills, or they're going to be facing possible uh, shutoffs of their power, water, gas. The list is pretty long, apparently, of utility companies that have been very, very lenient about payments and late payments over the course of the pandemic. And now they're telling people it's time to pay up. So I want you to consider responsibility. I want you to consider um, what it means for us to be responsible and how confusing it becomes 
when the secular world uses theological words like, well, grace. Here's another theological word that's being used by a a company trying to attract a chief taco officer. They want to pay $10,000 for a person to um, only eat tacos, their tacos, for the next two months. Um, and, And they're talking and they're inviting people to let us, let us, the word let us, let us pray for whoever might become the new chief taco officer. Um, You see theological words in the public square all the time. I want you to take note of them when you see them, and I want you to consider how that offers you a real opportunity to bring God into a conversation of the day. Uh, What does it mean for us to be inviting people to pray? To whom would they be praying? About what? For what? Is this a legitimate prayer? What is legitimate prayer? How should we pray? How did Jesus teach us to pray? How did Jesus pray? Do we pray as Jesus prayed? On and on and on and on and on. Lots of model prayers in the scriptures. Um, Thank you for those of you who pray frequently and often for me and for this ministry. I'm praying for you as well. Words matter. Words matter. And let's uh, be thinking about that today as we use words out there in the world that God so loves. Dr. Linda Mental is waiting to join us right now. We're going to talk about secularism and how it leaves us feeling. Is there enough in secularism to fill you up? Nope. It's a good conversation for us today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Find her at the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can also find her at drlindamental.com. Linda, good morning. Good morning, and thanks for affirming that it's still April 25th for us. <laughs> I've only been up an hour, but I needed to remember what day it was. <laughs> right? Sometimes I'm like, what day of the week is it? What month is I, it? Where Where right. are we? Yeah, little More touch coffee. point. More coffee. More coffee. <laughs> so yeah. talk with us about um, how we're feeling how we're feeling, um, and the relationship between religion and mental health. Yeah, so this came up with an article that you all had uh, sent me, which was very interesting on the increasing sadness that is being noticed among a lot of people in our country. And the article talked about a few of the factors, like maybe social media and the disconnection that we sometimes feel about that. And, you know, there's a lot of depressing news in the world, a lot of things going on around us. And then there's a lot of family issues. But one of the factors that was raised was about the more we take religion out of the culture and we have nothing in that spiritual realm is that a contributing factor to the way people are feeling, particularly because people are feeling more anxious, more depressed? And I would certainly argue that, yes, that is a direct factor. In fact, um, I've been following the work of Dr. Harry Koenig, who is at Duke University, and his whole body of research has been for the past, I don't even know how many, 20 years or so, has been on the effects of religion and spirituality on health and then also boards into mental health because he's also a psychiatrist. And he has noted that just multiple, multiple studies, and I I show these to the medical students in our school, 
that when you have what they call religiosity, spirituality, now that's broadly defined, but um, when you have that part of uh, uh, that in your life, that it does improve psychological well-being on a number of factors. And so a few years ago, I decided, hmm, I'm going to look at this with medical students. And so I took one of his measures, and it's a really interesting measure. It measures religiosity. So it asks questions like, first, kind of external things like, do you go to church? Do you read your Bible? Do you spend time um, you know, acti- actively involved in your church? And then it asks a lot of internal questions about your personal relationship with your faith. And so it's a really good measure. And so I did a study that looked at, does religiosity, does a spiritual life, particularly since I'm at a Christian medical school, does it have a protective factor for medical students who are in a very stressed environment and have a lot that they have to contend with? And sure enough, we were getting good results and then COVID hit. And that was kind of a big variable in my study. But um, Mm. the initial results were that it was somewhat protective of people. But then what happened during COVID, Carmen, is that you know the students were not going to church because churches were shut down, people were on lockdown. And so we were beginning to see the tide of change even in our study where uh, it wasn't so much of a factor because people weren't actively engaged in it. So there's a lot of concern um, in our culture that nobody talks about this. You know, we're talking about what are we going to do? So many people are stressed. So many people are anxious. You know, we have all these mental health needs now after, I don't know if we're after the pandemic, but because of the pandemic. And so why aren't we looking at religion when we have a massive body of research that says religion helps people? And Freud was wrong. Freud told us that religion was just a delusion and it would make you weaker and it was a crutch. And Dr. Koenig's research at Duke University has actually proven just the opposite, a long body of research that says when you have faith, you are protected in those areas of your mental health and your health. So we have a listener, um, Linda, who heard you say that you work for a Christian medical school, um, and they're now asking about that. So what makes a medical school Christian? Well, the faculty that is hired are all Christians. We have to have a statement of faith. We have to go through a, a long um, interview process to make sure that we are, you know, evangelical Christians. And um, so we, we do that. And then we tell the students that we are, we are going to teach from a Christian point of view. So Christian biblical has to align with biblical principles. Um, that is our worldview. We're doing, we're, we're teaching through the lens of what the Bible has to say, and uh, that is very unique. Um, now we're open to people of all different faiths coming in. Uh, there are people that come in that don't have any faith, but we are teaching from that biblical perspective, and everything that we do has to line up with the Bible and uh, be consistent with the principles of Christianity. All right. So <clears throat> you have just proved out a point for me, and I, I so appreciate that. Um, I I think that education is something that in the United States of America we have to be talking about. 
And mm-hmm. when you when you answered the question, you know, like what makes a medical school Christian, you did not say the curriculum. You said the faculty um, mm-hmm. and the lens through which the faculty is teaching. I actually mm-hmm. think that's the point that parents need to be making and Christians need to be making in our communities. It's not about necessarily the books on the shelf or even the curriculum that's being used. It's about who's doing the teaching and the lens through which they are teaching the material. Ultimately, the faculty are the curriculum. Well, and if, if, you're, if you're faith, look, everybody has a worldview, and this is what we say to the students. Everybody has one, and that worldview informs the way they behave, and it informs the content of the curriculum that they select and what they choose to emphasize. So we're just being upfront that our worldview is Christian, and it does, it should inform everything that we do. So it should inform the way we talk to our neighbors. It should inform our behavior on social media. It should inform the way that we, you know, are when we have conflict, how we try to reconcile, how we try to love our neighbor and love our enemy. All of these things that we're dealing with in the culture, including education, should be informed by a Christian faith if you claim to be a Christian. So part of the part of the problem we're having with people leaving the church is they don't see people connecting their faith to their behavior. And that is a real problem. And that's why we're seeing people deconvert from Christianity. Now, it's not an excuse. They're not going to be able to stand before, you know, God the judge one day and say, well, those people were hypocritical. They weren't authentic. So, you know, that's what led me astray. They're going to be responsible for what they heard, what they were told, and ultimately if they chose Jesus Christ as their personal savior. But it is a problem in the culture if we don't see people in the culture living differently because of their Christian faith, we need to start asking why, because there's becoming more and more of a divide on the basic values, on the moral virtues, on the role of forgiveness when it comes to reconciliation and a host of other things that we could talk about and bring up. Dr. Linda Mental is the professor and chair of the Division of Behavioral Health at Liberty University's Medical School. We are um, we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Dr. Linda Mental is, among other things, a licensed marriage and family therapist, a licensed clinical social worker, national expert on relationships and the psychology of food, weight, body image. One of her um, one of her books that I uh, particularly appreciate in these days is Living Beyond Pain. Um, but you can find her and what she's writing and thinking about at drlindamental.com. You can also listen to her program here, the Dr. Linda Mental Show on the Faith Radio Network. Um, Linda, when we uh, when we talk about the challenges that we face today, and we talk about mental health in particular, a there's it seems as if a stigma persists in relationship to getting help when we know we need it um, in terms of mental health. Can you address this? Yeah, it's still there. I think it's getting better. Uh, more people are talking about it. Uh, when when Pastor Rick Warren talked about his son and you know his death by suicide, and we hear some Christian leaders coming out and saying, I have struggled with depression or anxiety. It gives a bit more permission, 
I think we have to be really careful when we hear those things that we don't begin to make assumptions like, oh, their faith is not strong or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're struggling with sin or there must be some terrible thing that goes on with them. Because we now know that mental health is very complicated. It can be prompted, mental health problems can be prompted by medications, by physiology changes with disease, by situational issues and a lot of other things too. And sometimes there is sin in someone's life. They're making bad choices and it's creating a disconnect between what they believe and what how they behave. And that does cause problems. But we got to be careful not to just judge somebody without knowing their story, without knowing what they've been through and the struggles that, you know, they're they're facing. There are times in people's life where stress just just overwhelms you because there's so many things that happen. I you know, I I I was reading a report the other day of a person who was in a car accident, then had a disease diagnosed, then had a parent die, then had it was just it just went on and on and I thought, my goodness, how, you know, that's a lot for one person to endure. And so Part of the issue is that there are times in our lives where we may need to talk to somebody. And there are times in our life when we're under distress, where we're not functioning. It is starting to affect the way we deal with our work, with our families, with different people in our lives. And we do need to do something about it. Uh, The problem is, I think you really need to think about what type of a person you get to help you. And we just started talking about how faith informs everything we do. And so when you're looking to get a therapist or a counselor or uh, someone who's going to help you in those areas, I do think it's important that you ask and try to find somebody who is Christian because there's such a difference, again, in the values. And the easiest one I can give, Carmen, is if if you're a secular person, you're going to view marriage as a contract. And so if you're not getting what you want out of that contract, you leave. And obviously right now in secular culture, no one has a problem with people cohabitating, although the research doesn't actually support that as a way to flourish um, because we know it's God's design, so no surprise there. But, you know, they're going to have different values, whereas you would hope that a Christian therapist would say, hey, marriage is a covenant. Um, it is it is an unbreakable promise. So we have to work at trying to reconcile this and look at the factors that are affecting you. And, you know, even in the Catholic Church, it's a sacrament. So it's got a holiness about it that is missing in the secular culture. So that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, sometimes people can't find a Christian in something they need very specialized. But I do think if you, there are lots and lots of Christian counseling services, Christian therapists in communities, you can go to a church and ask for referrals. Um, There are websites that you can find people on. It's really good if you can do it to find someone who shares those values because it's going to inform the way you go forward with what you do. I think, um, Linda, part of the challenge that we face is like we are our own maybe worst enemy in terms of this. You know, I'm reticent to share with Mm -hmm. my church small group or in my church small group meeting. I'm reticent to share that I you know, am struggling um, because of my fear of the way that people will will respond. So I think part of this in group leadership and group participation is just to say out loud, hey, if somebody is struggling, like we all struggle from time to time, 
let's um you know let's acknowledge in advance that we're going to be supportive of one another we're not going to assume that you lack faith or you've got some underlying you know chronic spiritual problem like this is this is a safe place for you to um to share and we're, we we want to support you we want to be members of a healthy body like maybe leading with that would help yeah that would be very good you've got to get the the participants to agree to it and that is honestly in my experience that is one of the reasons why people don't say stuff in their small groups. There's there's a lot of gossip that goes on. Um, you know, sometimes it's very interesting what's happening in someone's life and they're sharing it, maybe not intentionally to, you know, make it a problem for a person, but you have to be in a group and you have to say it stays here and our purpose is to pray for you, to uplift you, to support you. And leaders really need to help uh, the congregations do that in an appropriate way because we keep saying the church is the emergency room. You know, the church is the hospital. Please come in. It's for the broken. It's for people. All of us are broken. All of us struggle in some areas, but we have to make it a safe place for people to share those concerns. And I still see eyebrows when someone says, I'm struggling with depression um, or I'm taking a medication. You know, people kind of go, oh, okay. You know, they, they don't understand it well enough. And there's, there just, there really is some type of a stigma still around this. I think especially in the area of addiction, where people do not understand that addiction is a chronic brain disease. And once you move from use to compulsive use, the brain craves, it will do everything in its power to get that, um, that drug. And so you really have to work with people and understand what they're going through. And they need lots of support, not a lot of condemnation. So mm. it's sad to me, Carmen, that when, um, you know, I send students to attend an AA group or an NA group and they just come back and they go, wow, these are places of non-judgment, of acceptance, of encouragement, of community, of hope. And I always have this, this thought when they say that to me, I'm glad that they saw that. But I want to say, why can't that be the church? How many people describe the church that way? And yet that's what the church needs to be, to be relevant in our communities today. Dr. Linda Mental, thank you so much for joining us today. You guys can connect with Linda at the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network or at drlindamental.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. When you uh, <clears throat> when you look at your schedule for the day and the week and the month and then the year, when you start thinking about summer, when you start um, considering, wow, this new normal of post-COVID life, um, I don't know if you're like me, but the directions in which I am now pulled, um, well, I don't know, an octopus pulled in eight directions, work, family, friends, raising another generation, tending to the generation above me and their needs and concerns, investing in my own spiritual needs. I mean, on and on and on. I don't know how many directions you're being pulled, but um, I'm feeling it. Trisha Goyer is going to join us next. She's feeling it too. She's going to help us stay centered in God's love, even in the midst of our chaotic circumstances. The book is Heart Happy. We'll be right back. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. 
Trisha Goyer, um, she is an honest sister in Christ. That is my best definition. She is an author, a podcaster. She's a homeschooling mom, um, on and on and on. But she is an honest sister in Christ. She's joining us again today to talk about her newest book, Heart Happy, Staying Centered in God's Love Through Chaotic Circumstances. Trisha, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here, Carmen. Yeah, so um, thank you for being honest. Let me just go ahead and say that um, life is a mess. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know we're, well, we're in this post-COVID season, right? It's the time of our life. Um, marriage, kids, work, homeschooling, summer planning, um, the new uh, crazy inflation version of home economics, financial management. I'm supposed to be working out and caring for my parents, and there's lots of social demands. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm up to it. I would like some joy and peace, and instead what I see is like messiness and chaos. Can you help me? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think all of us are feeling the exact same way, and we keep thinking that things are going to settle down, like after this, next week, next month, and we realize that the chaos is not ending. And I think the good news is that even when the chaos outside is out of control, we could really look at our hearts, and that was what I had to do. Um, John and I adopted seven children uh, over the last, well, it's been 10 years now, but, you know, we added all these kids almost all at once to our home. And this is before COVID. Then COVID came and talk about the chaos of life. And I realized if I didn't get my heart happy in the Lord at the beginning of my days, if I didn't center my thoughts on him, realize like I could count on him, I could count on his love. I was a mess. I mean, talking fetal position on the floor type of mess because there is so much, no matter whether you adopt kids or you're like, like you're talking about caring for aging parents or dealing with finances, there is so much going on. It really does take us getting our hearts centered and happy in the Lord. I, um, I might have missed the Grumble Free Year which was your 2019 book, um, but your 2018 book, Calming Angry Kids, yeah. um, was so helpful to me um, when I read it and continues to you know, prove itself out in my life. There's a lot of people who know you from your fiction writing. Um, what we're talking about today is you know, what I would describe as Trisha Goyer uh, nonfiction. Because there's right. there's no fiction in this like this is I and I love this and I love that you're doing both. And um, I just want to speak my appreciation for that. Um, you reference John. You start this book. Um, the book we're talking about today is Heart Happy. Um, you start this book in 1989. Um, right. Take us take us back to that point in time and tell us why you started this conversation about staying centered in God's love through chaotic circumstances. Why, you know, why you take us back to 1989? Who, who is that person and what was she experiencing? Oh, that person was 17 years old and pregnant. Um, that person had pre- previously had an abortion and I was carrying the pain and the shame and regret of that. I was in a very dark place, had dropped out of high school my friends were going off their senior year. My boyfriend had a new girlfriend, and I didn't even hear from him. And here I was waking up at noon, watching soap operas, completely depressed as a 17-year-old. And it was during that time 
that I realized I had messed up my life. <laughs> All the choices that I had made had led me in the wrong direction. I had grown up going to church. My mom became a Christian when I was about eight years old. And so I'd gone to church and I knew God was there. I didn't want to think about him too much because I wanted to do my own thing. But as that depressed girl waking up with darkness just surrounding me, unsure of my future, um, I put my arms around my pregnant stomach and I prayed this eloquent prayer, God, if you can do anything with my life, please do. And that was my moment of surrender. And that light and hope flooded in. And I knew that God loved me. And I just knew that I could have a good future. Um, and then I started praying for my future husband. I prayed that God would bring me someone that loved him and would love me and love my son. And after I had my son, Corey, um, in June of 1989, very soon after, I started dating the pastor's son. And, you know, God answered that prayer in an amazing way. And we just celebrated 32 years a couple of weeks ago. So, um, God so has can done you do this? Yes. Can you do this, Trisha? Because there are people listening right now who um, they're trying to imagine what that was like. <clears throat> and we want to be the people today of the church who love that version of mm. Trisha. We want to love 17-year-old Trisha who's post-abortive, who's having a baby out of wedlock, who's dropped out of high school. We we want to love her. And I um can you can you describe for us um this is, might be personal information, but there you go. I'm I'm just You're jumping good. right in. Like I'm trying to imagine the conversation at at the dinner table in John's house with his parents when he says, "This is the person that I wanna I, I want to make a life with. I want to make a life with this person." Like I, who are his parents? Like what are those people like? Because I was the pastor. Okay, yeah. and, I mean, right? This is the best part. So years prior, um, you know, four years prior, three years prior. Um, I had been attending his parents' church. I was there, you know, once in a while. And John was in the Marine Corps. So I was around 15. So I guess it was a couple of years prior. I was around 15 or 16. He was like 18 or 19. And he came home and he said, who is that girl? And this is, you know, before I was pregnant. Um, he didn't know anything about me. And his mom said, stay away from her. That's Trisha and she's trouble. And that was <laughs> the label they had put on me. That's Trisha and she's trouble. But... Fast forward, when I became pregnant, it was, and this is really, it was because of these women in my life that changed everything. When I became pregnant, instead of shunning me, instead of turning their backs on me, my mom and my grandma's Bible study group, which included my now mother-in-law, uh, the pastor's wife, they invited me to Bible study. They gave me a baby shower. I remember um, before I turned over my heart to Christ, my, uh, my pastor's wife, my mother-in-law now, would come and she'd want to pray with me. And I was so, my heart was, heart was so hard. I would turn my back on her. I would be laying in bed and she'd be sitting in the corner. And she's mm -hmm. like, can I just sit here? And I'm like, fine. <laughs> like, I don't care. And she would pray. And I have no doubt that her prayers, as, she, as I'm laying there pregnant in bed, her prayers over me really made a difference. Them having a baby shower for me, pouring out their lives to me, inviting me to Bible study made a big difference. And when I was laying there saying, you know, God, I've messed up my life, I was thinking, if these women love me, then what if maybe you can love me too? And it mm. was because their love. And so, and even though I was six months pregnant, I started going to church. I remember reading my Bible, going to Bible study, being excited about the Bible. So after I had my son, it was actually John's mom that said, you should take Trisha on a date. And that tells mm. you 
what type of, first of all, gracious, loving, caring parents he has and the women of that church, but also the transformation in my life that she was able to see the difference between laying there in bed with my back to her, not wanting to even look at her as she's praying for me to being in church and just worshiping God and being so excited the Bible study, she saw the transformation. And she's the one that encouraged on after she said, you know, stay away from Trisha, she's trouble. She's the one that encouraged John to invite me out and take me out on a date. Um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yes. And I love my in-laws. They are awesome, awesome people. I I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. All right. We're talking with Trisha Goyer. Technically the book we're talking about, which I promise we're going to now dig into is heart (laughs) happy, staying centered in God's love through chaotic circumstances. You're listening to mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. More with Trisha Goyer next. All right, Trisha Goyer is uh, is with us. You can find her at trishagoyer.com. She's also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're talking about her latest book, Heart Happy, Staying Centered in God's Love Through Chaotic Circumstances. Um, Trisha, the takeaway for me was this, like, you know, uh, climbing up into um, into the lap of the luxurious lap mm-hmm. of God's love in the midst of the chaos of my life. Talk with us about why you wrote this and what, what people are going to encounter as they engage this material. If that's your takeaway, that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I want us to realize God's love and how much he loves us. I remember we were talking about that 17-year-old pregnant girl that it was and feeling that light and that life and that hope in me and knowing God loved me. Well, then over the years, life gets in the way, chaos gets in the way, our worried thoughts get in the way, guilt and regret and all these things get in the way. And it really is cluttering, taking away that clutter, decluttering all those things and remembering God loves us so completely. I went from someone who was accepting his love, you know, wanting him to transform my life to someone who felt like I can do things for God. Let me write books mm. for you. Let me adopt these kids. Let me do all these things, you know, and you almost become prideful in what you can do for God until you get to the point where you're so overwhelmed, that's where I was, so overwhelmed, I couldn't do it. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the capacity. And in that moment, I remember clearly being in the laundry room. And after we adopted seven kids, six from foster care, one from a private adoption, after three were already grown, um, the laundry's piled up. The kids are running around fighting. There's dr- drama and anger issues and all these things. I remember breaking down in my laundry room and saying, God, I can't do this. This is too much. It's too overwhelming. And instead of saying, yes, you can, you know, you can do it, whatever. It was his still small voice that said, I love you just as much as when this huge pile of laundry is here, when the kids are screaming, when everything seems out of control, as I do when you feel like you have your act together. And it was just that little moment, I love you just as much. And I keep going back to that and realizing I don't have to perform for God. I don't have to do anything to make him happy, that when I can realize he's there with his loving arms, that's when I become happy in the Lord. I can crawl up in his lap. I can accept his love for me for that day. And I realize all these other things, they don't matter. The chaos will continue to swirl, but it's in God's love and it's in his lap and it's feeling his peace that everything changes internally. It starts impacting my externally and my kids can even tell the difference. They're like, wow mom, you're smiling. Like there's a lot going on and you're smiling. And it's when I take the time to 
to center myself in God's love, to read his word, to meditate on his scripture, to, to remember how much he loves me, that it changes everything. Jesus loves me, this I know, not just spoken, mm-hmm. but sung. Um, talk about some of these like simple, practical takeaways. I mean, you, you know, it, you come right out and say there's nothing, you know, there's nothing new in this book, right? This is a book of reminders yes. to recenter us in God's love. Um, every chapter has these very practical, simple takeaways. One of them um, for me is close my eyes and sing the song. Jesus mm-hmm. loves me, this I know, because I then go back to being little when I learned yeah. that for the first time. And it it somehow gets me in this like right mindset. I am little. I'll always be little. That's what a child of God is. I don't have to be big. I can just be little and climb up into his lap singing Jesus loves me. Absolutely. And it is, it's that taking time to pause in different places. I'll say pause and, you know, sing Jesus loves me or pause and think of the words of your favorite hymn. Or when when you're reading scripture, I think so many times we check it off, like we're going to read this chapter or read this verse or read this devotion for the day. And it's actually reading the scripture, pausing, what word stands out to me? Thank you, God, for your grace today. Thank you that you are a gracious God. And just meditating over and over on those things. I think a lot of it is rushing in our life. Our relationship with God becomes rituals that we just rush through and do this and that. Instead, it's pausing. And like when we're singing, Jesus loves me, I mean, I can picture him there. I could picture his arms open up to me. I could picture him wanting to embrace me. I could picture him, you know, whispering, it's going to be okay, and I'm here with you. And sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's pausing and reading his word and saying, oh, you are the good shepherd. You know, you are tending to me. Thank you, Jesus. It's all those moments when we slow down, when we really pause from all the busyness of life and we think, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to meditate on God's word. But even, you know, putting on worship music, when you're putting on your makeup in the morning, anything that we are taking that time to build that relationship with Jesus. And that's really what the steps at the end of each chapter are, is just to remind us to slow down. And, you know, whatever chaos might be in my life, it might be different from your life, but God is there in the middle of the chaos. And if it takes the chaos for us to turn to him over and over again, then then we could thank him for even the chaos because then we're reminded that we have Jesus. You know, I, th- I know so many times when my life doesn't have chaos, when it just seems to be going smoothly, then I think I could just handle everything on my own. I don't need Jesus. Um, but because we have chaos, because we have these times in our lives, turning to him, singing the songs, meditating on his word brings us closer and closer to him. We're exactly where we need to be. Mm. So um, we're talking with Trisha Goyer. I want to send everybody to your website, trishagoyer.com. The book is Happy Heart. Um, I wanted to share this with you because I thought you would appreciate it. My mom and dad are now 84 and 89. And yet they still, you know, get on the road and drive across the country. So be careful out there. (laughs) Um, But this, they, they now stop at every rest stop. They take advantage of every rest stop. And it has changed the way I think about those opportunities to pull off scenic overviews. They pull off at every one now because they need a physical rest. They need, they need a moment. They might even need a nap. Um, But you reminded me in this book that I need to take every rest stop that God offers me throughout the day. 
Um, so thank you. Thank you for heart happy, staying centered in God's love through chaotic circumstances. I still have a heart um, filled with gratitude for you um, for calming ang- angry kids because it was transformative for me as a stepmom. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just love you. I love how practical you are. I love that you're real. Um, thank you for being here with us today. Oh, Carmen, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. So uh, I just I just love Well, hey, call anytime. Call anytime. Okay. <laughs> oh, we love it. All right. That's Trisha Goyer. You got to you gotta check out what she's working on and connect with her, trishagoyer.com. She's also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The book we're talking about today, Heart Happy, Staying Centered in God's Love Through Chaotic Circumstances. Um, all right, Trisha, loving you. Thank you so much again. You guys are listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Um, so much. Uh, Mary says, hey, you've given me another thing to think about today. Take advantage of the rest stops. Yes, and the scenic overlooks and the place where the sign on the side of the road says soft shoulder or I am, I I actually wrote a whole, in fact, we maybe we should tee this up at some point in time. I wrote a whole series um, for a class that I led at one point in time. It's totally based on road signs. And, um, you know, talking about the way that we are intended, God intends for us to be signposts, like human signposts. And, you know, how is my life directing other people to God and to the things of God and on and on and on? Like that would be the takeaway part. But I used road signs. And so now Mary has reminded me that maybe I ought to dig that back out and tee that back up. You guys might appreciate that. I mean, literally the stop sign is where we start. So when was the last time you just stopped? Like completely just stopped. Four way, just completely stopped to be still and recognize that God is God. He's going to keep the world spinning on its axis while you stop. And then you look in every direction and you take note of what he has done and what he is doing. And then the opportunities that are presented for you as well. Just stop. You can imagine what I do with the yield sign, right? The submission to God coming alongside, getting up to, up to pace. You can imagine what I do with the U-turn sign, right? Or the wrong way sign. Like, right, it's not rocket science because you know me pretty well. But maybe that would be kind of fun to do together. All right, I'm, uh, I'm making note of that. I'm going to dig that out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dust that off. Hey, we got a ton of great stuff posted for you at MyFaithRadio.com. It's a great place to connect with all kinds of resources, former episodes of the show, um, other shows. Check out Susie Larson Live. Check out what Bill Arnold is doing in the afternoons. I know you guys appreciate real recovery over the weekend. On and on and on and on and on. God's doing some really great stuff here at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check it out at MyFaithRadio.com and on the Faith Radio app. I'm looking forward to um, a great week. I hope that you are going to get into the Word of God before you get out there into the world that God so loves. Look forward to um, being back with you tomorrow. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.